lovers, this is Dr. Candace Nicole with How to Love a Human. You can follow me and the How to Love a Human project on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Candace Nicole and HowToLoveAHuman.com, where I welcome your contribution to the conversation. Today, I'm dialoguing with Ulysses, and I appreciate all you lovers out there for taking this journey with me to discover how to love a human. Hey everyone, today on How to Love a Human, I am with Ulysses the Third. Hey Ulysses, how's it going? I'm, I'm doing well, Dr. Candace, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm, it's a good day, nice and sunny here in Lexington. It's Friday. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm ready to swing. <laughs> I start, I'm going to start with my non-researchy question first, all right? Okay. Are you feeling human or human as fuck half today? <laughs> human or human half. <laughs> um, you know what? Today I'm 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 feeling I'm feeling human half. Okay. Tell me what that would mean for you. How do you distinguish between the two? Well, I think human half is 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 the more vulnerable of the two. Mm. Um, and um, I'm a I've been, it's been a busy week, mm-hmm. uh, a busy work week, um, both personally and professionally, um, and um, some some things have really been kind of heavy on my heart. Um, someone in uh, my professional circle um, lost their, uh, uh, passed away yesterday. Oh, man. Um, and it was kind of unexpected. Um, and I do HIV and AIDS work, mm-hmm. and so um, you know, anytime you um, you lose someone to that fight, um, it is uh, it's a great it comes at a great loss, but it just gives the work that I do more more gravity, right? Uh, and so, just been thinking about the, the people um, for which I advocate on behalf of, and um, making sure I don't take the work that I do for granted. Um, because, um, you know, people's lives are at stake. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, yeah, today I'm feeling human ass. Human ass fuck. I'll say it just for, just for you. You know, you can say it or not say it, however it works for you. But what resonated with me was you saying that there's a vulnerability that comes with it and that experiencing the loss of a colleague and understanding the gravity of what you're doing as an HIV researcher, the type of advocacy work, that goes into that has real meaning. It's not just based on having this research agenda or a political agenda, but that there are real human beings connected to it every single day. Right, right, right. And as someone who's not living with HIV, um, as someone who would not necessarily be considered a key population, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for many, it's easy to look at this as just my job. It's my work. Yep. Uh, But I've learned that, um, Vulnerability really has helped me um, to be able to connect um, with that group, mm-hmm. uh, so that you know when when one of them suffers, uh, we also right. Uh, yeah, so vulnerable as fuck. Well. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. So share your most salient identities with me. Who are you? Wow, who am I? You know what? I think first and foremost, I am a black man, mm-hmm. and I probably would not have identified that because that's obvious, right? But it may I, not I, be obvious, right? I think now in today's context, um, in today's climate, uh, I think it's important for me to affirm that I'm a black man. Mm. Say more about uh, what you mean there. Uh, that I'm a young black man. Well, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think we've been. I think we've been caricaturized mm. uh, by society. Um, I think we've been made disposable. Wow. Uh, I think that um, we have uh, a false portrayal of us has been grown and spread and proliferated. And I don't Hold on, pause really quickly. It's chopping up. 
I don't know if something's moving around, but it's getting choppy on from what I'm hearing. Okay, I, I haven't moved it. I haven't either. Let me check. Let me check on my side. Hold on one second. You were getting into some good stuff too, and I'm like, no, try to hold out. But then it got choppy. Can you say one, two, three for me? One, two, three. Okay, it's sounding good again. All right, go okay. for it. Great. So you were talking about the narrative around black manhood. Yeah, I think I think everybody else is dictating our story except us. Mm. Um, and I think as a young black man with the platform, uh, with the voice, uh, with some level of agency, um, that it's important for me to 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 affirm my my blackness and my blackness plus my maleness mm -hmm. um, um, as as a part of my identity. Um, and so, yeah, I'm a black man. Uh, I am um, a social justice uh, warrior. Mm -hmm. um, I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that um, in a number of different ways. Uh, I'm a partner um, in relations, in intimate relationship, but I'm also a partner in ministry with so many mm -hmm. others. Um, I'm a partner in mission um, with so many others. Um, I'd like to think that I am uh, open-minded. I'd like to think that I am a deep thinker. Mm -hmm. um, when you say I'd like to think that I am, how do you qualify those as opposed to being just I am? Well, I think sometimes we think, I think sometimes we think we are until we are. <laughs> right. I can expound on that. Um, you know, I, I, I pride myself on being open-minded, being progressive in thought uh, and, and action and, um, being willing to um, listen um, and learn um, on things and topics that I don't necessarily um, agree with. Mm -hmm. um, and there are some things that I s say that I am, but I haven't necessarily been tested in that I am. Okay. Okay. Um, and... Um, you know, there was a time in my life where I said that I was um, trans-inclusive, mm -hmm. for example, um, until I actually encountered a trans person and I had to embrace that trans person as my brother or as my sister. Mm -hmm. um, and in that moment, what I said that I was was being challenged. Mm. And I realized that maybe I wasn't who I said I was in that moment. Um but it was that moment that actually grew me to the confidence to be able to say, no, this is absolutely who I am now. Um, and so uh, I say that I am open-minded, um, but I'm sure that there are still some areas in which I say I am progressive on and open to that I have not yet been personally challenged in. Got it. Um, so, uh, uh, so, yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm clear about about my my growing edges mm -hmm. uh, and that uh, it's really easy to say one thing it's, it's much harder to do um, to do another let's do what you say so um, yeah those are those are my identities and I think uh, out of all of those identities um, the one that I didn't mention which might be uh, the most important to me is that I'm a listener mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and um it's really been helpful for me in, in my work and uh, in my own personal, uh, my own personal journey. I wanted to go back to something, and then I'm going to come back to listener. But I wanted to go back to what does it feel like when you are challenged with who you say you are versus who you have to be in a moment? Because I think so many people encounter that experience. Right? We say you're about yeah. social justice, or you say you're about liberation for all people, and then whoever that group of people or that individual is that 
you didn't realize you were still having some biases against or hadn't really fully fleshed out what your understanding of their lived experiences what like what comes up for you when you meet that moment yeah yeah um well it's actually a uh, a very revealing moment mm-hmm. um it is uh, a moment that i embrace because i think you know i think i think the moment that the moment that there are things um the moment that there are no longer things for me to learn mm-hmm. or change, um, then I think is the moment that I cease to exist. Got it. Um, and so I think the ability to, to grow um, and to still be willing um, to um, to grow in certain ways, you know, at 34 years old um, is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the idea that, uh, that God isn't done with me yet um, is exciting. Um, I think the only way that those moments would be off-putting is if I uh, rejected the opportunity to reflect and or consider my position. Yeah. Um, which I think is is kind of my main issue with society right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially as we talk about you know, politics and, and what side of the aisle you stand on. Um, I think people are entitled to believe what they want to believe. Uh, my issue is, is is in that um, people aren't willing to have the conversations with the other side, yeah. and then aren't willing to then reflect on what they've heard and how that relates to where they are, um, and whether or not they they they're willing to consider what they heard. Um, you know, I, I really got a problem with with uh, people who aren't willing to have um, those conversations in terms of. Um, you know, hearing the other side and being willing to say, "Okay, I I heard what you said, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I'll consider it." You know, as I move forward, uh, I think we're very quick to to dismiss um, that which we don't agree with. Got it. Um, and so, um, you know, while it's a shock to my system to be confronted confronted by those moments where I say that uh, that I am one thing, and in that moment I realize that I am another. Um, I'm fully aware that the person I am today is a person who is willing to struggle with that moment. Yeah. Um, and versus dismissing it right away. Cause some um, people run away from that moment. I mean, exactly. they do all kinds of mental gymnastics to get out of that moment. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and I had to get to a place, especially in the work that I do, if I was going to really authentically do it, I had to get to a place where I stopped running. Mm. Okay. Um, and so that's been liberating in a sense. Um, because I'm, 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 I have no questions about who I am and whose I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, I can, um, you know, I can entertain um, some of these, you know, difficult uh, topics and I can kind of embrace uh, even situations that compromise my comfort. Yeah. Um, to be able to reflect and say, okay. I was like, okay, you're not there. Um, and so what do we have to do to get there? Is there a place that, I, that I'm willing to go? Mm. Um, Right. So you mentioned being a black man as salient, um, a social justice warrior, an HIV advocate. What about some of the other identities you may not have mentioned, like religion or ability or gender identity, sexual orientation, social class status, all of those things that intersect with who we are? Sure. Um, So I'm definitely a person of faith. Mm -hmm. And I identify with the Christian faith. Um, and I think uh, it is inextricably linked to um, even the work that I do. Mm, okay. Um, Say more about that, how it's linked. Sure. So um, just as background, um, my sweet spot has been HIV and AIDS work uh, in faith-based communities. Okay. Um, and so as a clinician, um, as a medical scientist by primary training, uh, I have, um, in, the, in, the, in the last few years, done most of my work in the context of faith. Okay. Um, and so, um, and really kind of marrying um, this idea that um, our faith informs um, our 
health informs our human rights. Mm. Um, and um, in a sense, I think all of those things uh, hinge on um, the same two principles, uh, justice and love. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, um, so, yeah, so even when I, you know, even if I'm in a clinical setting, um, my faith still comes with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how I make uh, decisions um, and, and how I interpret uh, certain things. And so uh, absolutely a, a, a person of faith. Um, I have been, oh, I've been hesitant to call myself Christian in the last year and a half. Uh, What's I've made it so, so hard? <laughs> I've been so disappointed in Christians. Yeah. Um, um, or, or people who, who, who say that they are Christian. Um, just in the, in, the, in the things that we have. Uh, upheld yeah. as important um, as it relates to you know our political climate, um, and so yeah, I've been I've been hesitant, and I've been I've been Christian, but um, you know, and and, and and to be clear, clear Christianity is the problem. Uh, mm-hmm. Christians are the problem, mm. um, and um, so you know, I'd like to say I'm a person of faith, and, and that the Christian faith is. Is what I was what I have identified with, um, and, and that and that definitely informs um, other areas of my life. Um, you mentioned, you know, my, my gender and uh, identity, um, my um, sexuality identity. I, I am a heteronormative, heterosexual, however you like to frame it, um, cis male. Um, that identity is is is. Um, you know, I, I struggle with um, naming those things because, yeah. you know, I think we, you know, we force, you know, same gender loving people to name that as a part of their identity, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as as the outlier. Um, and you know, I always say, you know, nobody <laughs> nobody asks me if I'm home. You know, I don't have to introduce myself as Ulysses Burley, the the cis heterosexual guy, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so why do same gender loving people have to? Um, so that's kind of where I'm at on, on the subject. However, um, because I do HIV and AIDS work, uh, because HIV and AIDS and sex and sexuality are inextricably linked, um, because the HIV epidemic in this country has, has um, primarily is primarily impacting uh, members of the LGBTQ community. Right. Um, it is important for me to name that I am a cis heteronormative male. Um, because you often don't see um, people of my identity um, championing these championing these issues. Say more um, about why you don't see it. What's your thoughts? Yeah, on? Um, you know, I think I think it's, it's it's human nature to say if they if it if it if it if it don't impact me, then it don't got nothing to do with me. Got it. Um, mm-hmm. And then, therefore, you know, it doesn't have to be my issue. Um, and. Um, and, you know, for a disease that has disproportionately impacted men who have sex with men, yeah. um, particularly men who have sex with men of color, mm-hmm. um, and as a man of color myself, um, you know, I can't tell you how many times um, I've gotten the question, you know, do people, do other people ever mistake you? Uh, or question your sexuality mm. just based on the work that you do. Wow. Um, and the, the answer is all the time. Wow. Um, and um, and in terms of my, my growth, that's something that I've had to to become okay with. Mm-hmm. Um, because you because a lot of times you only see people fighting for themselves. Gotcha. Um, and so people want to know, you know, what what is it that makes you fight for something that you can very well look the other way on. Um, How do you answer that question? Well, I think it comes back to, um, you know, the, the, the principles that I live by, my faith, um, and, and, and those kind of, you know, those 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 core um, tenets of justice and love. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, and then if, I, if I insert my faith um, and, you know, the, the faith of, of Jesus Christ, who I see as being both justice and love, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it's something that that I can't look the other way on. Um, and you know, I always tell people, you know, we advocate for 
the homeless, mm-hmm. and we're not homeless. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we advocate for um, the abused, and we might not be abused. And, you know, we advocate for uh, those in poverty, when we might not be in poverty. We advocate for the hungry, but we're not hungry. And so why is it so difficult for us to advocate for um, those who are marginalized on the basis of their sex, mm-hmm. sexual identity, or their gender identities? Uh, and or those who are stigmatized uh, based on their uh, health status. Absolutely. Um, and, and I mean, I know why. Um, and it's because, you know, HIV and AIDS in particular, in, in, in particular is is linked to sex and sexuality. Um, and uh, I think we just suck at talking about sex and sexuality. We do. Um, we do. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know that's, that's, that's what you do. So mm-hmm. you know even more. And that intersection of your identity, like you said, often gets gets called into question simply because you've chosen to advocate for a group that people want to, I, I would say want to marginalize because to marginalize people makes the rest of us feel good about at least that one part of our lives. When in fact, for, for black people in particular, we're all quite vulnerable. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I don't see my blackness uh, as any, you know, as any different mm-hmm. from, um, you know, somebody's um, sexuality yeah. or their gender identity. Um, and yeah, I can never understand how we can we can fight for the rights of, of one marginalized groups of people and manage to exclude another group of marginalized people. Yeah. Um, the way I'm beginning to understand it is that when you have one piece of privilege out of the pie, you want to hold on to it so desperately that you would undercut people who are experiencing marginalization so that you can maintain that one piece. And it's a slim sliver of a piece sometimes, but people will go out of their way because life feels so different when you don't have that. Yeah, which is I think I think is what we saw last November. Mm. Um, you know, when we talk about politics, yeah. and when we talk about conservatives and um, the Republican Party and people who continue to vote against their own self yes, um, to preserve their white privilege. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and 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 we do it with our with our Christian faith, and we do it with our heteronormativity, uh, and we do it with our uh, social class. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we, we marginalize others uh, for the sake of self-preservation. Mm. I'm jumping around a little bit now, but what does love mean to you? And you used it as a basically the two pillars of your your life like your values love and justice what does love mean to you yeah, um, so yeah so I actually think 
I think that uh, they're the same thing. Love and justice are the same thing. And mm. then actually, um, to quote uh, Dr. Cornell West, um, he said, justice is uh, loving in public. Mm, okay. Um, he said, justice is, 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 is loving in public. And, and I absolutely agree with that. Uh, and like I said, to go further, to, to connect it to my faith, um, you know, I say Jesus is justice mm-hmm. and, and, and justice is love. Um, you know, even if we look at the Bible, which is my sacred text of choice, um, and we look at the, the New Testament, um, the only thing that's mentioned more uh, is, than love and heaven and those types of things is justice. Really? Um, I didn't know justice, that. Yeah, justice and, 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 and any iteration of justice is mentioned more than um, than love and heaven and hell even um, in the Bible. And so, um, I, uh, yeah, I really believe that, um, you know, love is uh, fighting for the equity and equality of, of, of all people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that love is genderless and sexless and, you know, void of uh, race and class and uh, ethnicity and socioeconomic status. Mm. Uh, I think love is all-inclusive. I don't believe love to be exclusive. Um, The way I look at it in the context of my faith is that, you know, when when I get to the gates of heaven, uh, I'd much rather uh, God tell me that I love people too much than not enough. Right, uh, right. Uh, because I think the former gets me in and the latter um, puts my, my entry into question. Um, and so that's kind of how I try to lead my life. I haven't always been here, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I continue to be a work in progress. But um, I feel like you can never love people too much. Um, and, um, and if you do... Um, then the penalty for loving people is not enough. Uh, it's, it's much greater. Got it. Uh, so yeah, love, love, love is justice. Uh, and how, like, what was the turning point for you? you? Said I haven't always been there, and I don't think anybody has, right? What was the turning right. point for you where you pivoted and said, you know, I'm going to stand in love as a core value and as the way I want to operate in this world? Yeah, yeah. So it actually happened. Um, in another country. Okay. And um, I did a year um, in Argentina where uh, during during my during my clinical training where I worked with HIV and AIDS patients uh, in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Mm-hmm. And it really changed my life. Wow. Um, just in terms of viewing um, people and patients um not just as the diseases that they harbored, mm-hmm. um, but as people. Yep. Um, and so, whereas I was going into there, I was taught to treat disease. Leaving from that experience, I was taught to treat people, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, wow. And um, I think we often look at people uh, in the context of their HIV status, or their, um, you know, cancer diagnosis, or, um, you know, all of the kind of ailments that impact them, um, and we don't necessarily consider um, the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so so in that year's time, um, some of the things that I was that, 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 that I was exposed to, um, just in terms of poverty. Sickness and violence and um, corruption mm. uh, and um, uh, substance abuse and how all of those things in society impacted people's physical health. Yeah, and um, life expectancy. Right. Um, and so it became a matter of okay, I can treat this person's HIV and then send them back out into poverty. Mm. 
back here with something else. Or I can figure out how to treat poverty. Mm, okay. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was it was in that moment that I realized that um, you know the the medicine wasn't necessarily uh, pharmaceuticals; that the medicine was was, was love. Got it. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's kind of. I would say that year was was where I got my my justice compass, or at least where my justice compass was calibrated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's where I learned a lot about, about myself. Um, and that's where a lot of things that I had previously deemed to be important became insignificant um, in that moment in terms of materialism and and uh, you know the things that society says are important. Man, what is it about being in another country? I hear this from so many black men, but black people in particular. What is it about being in another country that can really shape you and just change what you value and what you appreciate? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think we, I don't think we, we, we give enough. I don't think until recently, until last November, we realized how much um, nationalism. Mm. Um, uh, it impacts our identity, uh, and um, you know I think we're only as as, as good as our lived experiences. Um, and so I try to cut a lot of people slack because I realize they haven't had the, the lived experiences that I've had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know leaving the country, especially when you're going somewhere where people have less. Than what you than than what you have, um, and then you see those people who have less who seem to have more. If that makes sense, mm. um, they mm-hmm. seem to have more happiness. Um, they seem to have more joy. Um, they seem to have less stress uh, and less care in the world. And so, um, yeah, it's it's. And I, but I also think it's something about being separated from the expectations of your native mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, I went down there and I went with all my my fancy polo shirts and my, my <laughs> suits. Um, and Candace, when I tell you, I didn't wear that stuff one time. Man. <laughs> because nobody was checking for me. Right. Um, and so I had to go buy t-shirts and, and, things, of, and things of that nature. And, um, yeah, and it just made me value experiences so much more um, than uh, kind of these um, these false items um, that we uh, that we hold up as as, as, as important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't trying to keep up with the Joneses, you know, when I was down there. Right. And um, it was really liberating. Mm. It really allowed me to um, get in tune with um, some things that were important, like poverty, um, right? Uh, sickness and, um, and, and, and 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 those types of things. So that was a turning point in both my personal life and my professional uh, life. Um, and that is the point in which I decided that I was going to do this work for HIV and AIDS. Um, in the context of uh, faith-based communities, mm-hmm. in the context of um, um, just community in general, as opposed to exclusively in a clinical or research-based setting. Got it. Um, because I, I, I figured, you know, you can't, I don't think you can, um, um, I think, I think we've done everything we can to, to, to impact sickness in, in hospitals and in laboratories. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I don't think we've done enough in impacting systems. And, yeah, in systems and in community and in, um, in, in structures. So, uh, so, yeah, so I've chosen since then to do most of my work outside of those structures. Yeah. Uh, in community, in policy making, government, and, and, and things like that. Uh, yeah, it's really, it's really, it's really helped me to uh, evolve in um, my understanding of uh, true love. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been doing this work? 
So Argentina was 2008 to 2009. Okay. Um, and so, um, and then from there, I continued to do it. Even going into Argentina, I wasn't doing HIV work. I was doing, uh, I was studying cancer. Okay. Um, and um, HIV has just so, been so much more attractive because it's the type of disease, um, like I said, that you can't both cure wholly in a clinical or scientific setting. Mm -hmm. um, um, and so for that, um, I think the cure to HIV is in love mm. and not necessarily in a medication. Or uh, if, we, if we cure HIV in a laboratory tomorrow, um, we still need a cure for stigma. Yeah. We still need a cure for um, discrimination. Uh, we would still need a cure for, you know, poverty, these things. And so those things you can't cure in a, in a hospital or, or a lab. Um, and so because of that, uh, I think it's much more attractive. It's much more um, inclusive of the entire population. Mm -hmm. um, and so I tell people all the time, you have the ability to cure HIV. Wow. If you never go, if you never go to medical school, if you never go to graduate school, um, you can cure HIV because you can, because you possess the ability to love, um, and you can cure stigma, you can cure discrimination, mm -hmm. um, and you can, and you can impact poverty. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that's kind of how I got, how I got here, and it's not how I planned it. <laughs> <laughs> it never is how you planned it. <laughs> it's like, oh. It's, it's, it's not how I planned it. Okay. Um, to, to, to be able to do this work um, in the way in which I've been able to do it. So, um, yeah, but I, I give thanks for it because I don't think that you and I would be having this conversation. Um, I don't think I would be able to articulate on this type of subject matter mm. had it not been for, uh, for that shift. Got it. I appreciate you sharing that story because I think so many people need to hear how transformation can happen in a person's life and how it can show up in the work you do. People are terrified of getting away from a plan. I mean, scared as hell. That is scary. It is scary. That's why it's scary. It's scary. Let me be clear. But, uh, but it's liberating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what would the world be like if it loved you, if it loved black men? With all your unique identities intersecting yeah. in there. Yeah, well, I can, I can start. The world would be a lot less violent. Mm. Um, well, there you go. I can start there. Um, I think the commodification of uh, black pain um, is at an all-time high. Um, and I think it's profitable to um, continue to brutalize uh, black and brown bodies. Mm. Um, and so... Um, I think to love black men is um, is to um, to resist violence. Mm -hmm. um, resist violence. Yeah, I think you know, and to quote Cornell once again, and you would think I was his biggest fan. I've actually been uh, at odds with Doctor West <laughs> in the last few years, but but he still gets he still gets a lot of things right. Mm -hmm. and, uh, when he talked about the um, the uh, the slaughter at uh, Mother Emanuel Church in South Carolina, mm -hmm. um, and he talked about the juxtaposition of that deep pain and the family's ability to forgive, um, and he talked about black forgiveness and how sometimes we offer that forgiveness. Uh, prematurely. Okay. And in the midst of that, he spoke. He said that um, that black people are loving people, um, and that nobody has taught society how to love better than black people because nobody has been nobody has been hated more than we have. Mm. Um, and if you think about it, it's true. Yeah. Um, you know. We were the people who could simultaneously be 
brutalized by a master's whip and then go into their home and raise their children um, and breastfeed their children and, and, and nurture and grow their children in the yeah. same breath. Yes, um, yes. And I don't know about you, but I don't know of another, uh, another kind of um, um, full love mm. um, than the kind that we offer society even today because yeah. we've had every we've had every reason um, to hate people mm-hmm. we have every reason to revolt uh, against people to retaliate um, to retaliate we have every reason um, and yet we have not and we have chosen to forgive and chosen to love people um, and um, imagine the people who only love this man mm. uh, especially especially black people but in the midst of that, I also realize that we have to be willing to and able to, to love ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think and, one has to come first? Because I've been having this part of the conversation with folks. Some people say sometimes you need people to love on you to come into love of yourself. And some people say you got to start with self. I don't really know anymore, honestly. Yeah, and I'm going to agree with you on that. Um, I do believe that the way you treat yourself is the way you'll treat other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that you can't love somebody else without loving yourself. Um, but to your point, I don't I don't know which came first, mm-hmm. the, the chicken or the egg. Yeah. Uh, is it is it is it necessary to, to be loved on in order in, in, in order to to be able to love other people? Uh, I don't know. Um, but I do know that uh, that uh, many of us have, have not yet found love in ourselves and, 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 and therefore um, we have a hard time loving others um, and we have a hard time letting others love us. Mm, um, say more about that. Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, sometimes we, we in our own self-pity, um, but also um, in the, the pain um, that society has pitted against us, um, that we've gotten to a place where we don't be- we don't believe we deserve to be loved. Um, and um, to go back to my faith, um, you know, God gave commandment: love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Jesus came and gave a new commandment to to love your neighbor as I love you. Ooh, okay. That's because I think God realized that um, we didn't even love ourselves. So we weren't able to love our neighbors properly. Um, and so Jesus came and said, love your neighbor as I love you, uh, because you can't question my love. Um, because I realized that you might not even love yourself. And so, um, you know, I think, I think, um, yeah, sometimes we can get so low on ourselves that we reject love because we, we, we get to a place where we don't, uh, where we believe that we don't deserve it. Um, I think, you know, when you talk about um, toxic uh, relationships um, and, you know, if you if you had a, a parent who, who continued to tell you, your daddy ain't nothing and you ain't going to be nothing, mm. um, you begin to internalize that. You begin to believe that. Um, if you had someone who continue to to abuse you and then told you that they loved you and that became your identity of what love was um, then you might go about your life rejecting you know what 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 what, what full whole love um, is um, because you don't because you know your only idea of, of love is, is, is a pathological um, and so yeah I think I think every time we see these images of of, 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 of brutalized black and brown bodies, um, you know, they, they continue to be images that reaffirm that society doesn't love us. Mm. And at some point you begin to believe, well, maybe I don't deserve to be loved. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so I think it's, a, it's, it's, it's incumbent upon Black people, especially black men, um, to love each other. Okay. Um, and um, 
to be able to do so without, you know, reservation and, 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 you know, to be able to share a warm embrace and, and, uh, you know, so I don't, I don't miss an opportunity to be able to tell, you know, another brother, Hey man, I love you. I appreciate how you know, I, I, I thank God for you in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, to be able to be vulnerable in that way. Um, because I understand that, you know, there are, there are a lot of messages. There's a lot of messaging, um, in society that, that says that, uh, we don't deserve to be loved and, um, to love each other is, is to be gay, mm-hmm. uh, uh, or, uh, you know, um, feminine, uh, mm-hmm. is to be emasculated. Um, and I think that all just hinges back on to, you know, plantation mentality, mm-hmm. um, you know, where it was, it was, you know, beaten into us that, um, we were less than, and um, and we perpetuated it. Yeah, uh, I always say the, the 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 biggest the physic the biggest success of our slavery is not what it did to us physically, but what it did to us mentally. Because yeah. mental uh, slavery is is something that can be passed on from generation to generation. Uh, and I think uh, even still today, we uh, we still sometimes operate in this. Uh, this cage in these chains uh, of uh, of oppression. And I just want us to be liberated. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you. Um, and love and, is a uh, part of that liberation. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's it's scary for a, as you're talking about black men. It made me think about how some black men might not be afraid of being called gay. Might not be afraid of being misunderstood if they show other black men love but that it's scary to love other black men if you have seen consistently that they can be taken away or taken out wow you know what i mean yeah wow that's deep because loss it hurts it hurts sometimes it's easier not to love yeah yeah and i've actually I've experienced that, not as it relates to uh, black men, but black women. Mm. Um, I lost my mother when I was 10. Wow. Uh, very I young. Hear she died of breast cancer. And um, for a while, I did not allow myself to get to a certain point in my intimate relationships with women um, because I had this lingering fear of losing um, another loved one. Wow. Another loved woman. And so that's something that I had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Therapy and all of that. Heck um, yeah. To be able to, you know, allow myself to, to fully um, embrace, um, you know, a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and to hear you frame that in the context of, um, like, black men, wow, and, and, and the hesitation to love on black men for for that same fear of, of, of uh, abandonment. Mm. Will. The same fear of loss as uh, deep. Wow. Yeah. What identities in others do you sometimes struggle to love? Wow. Um, wow. What identities in others? Well, I think I, I mentioned, I touched on it earlier, but uh, other people's inability to, um, to, to open themselves to that which they do not agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think you know we we hold on to some things like it's a, like it's life and death. <laughs> if we if we let it go, you mm-hmm. know? whether whether it's a pathological theology or um, you know ideals, um, you know we hold on to this stuff um, like like it's sacred. It's to betray our very existence, um, and again, I think I think we see it play out in our in our, in our political process, um, just in terms of what we hold uh, as, as what we define as as being you know American values, um, and, I, and I say values in you know air quotations. Um, um, so yeah, that's something that I really struggle with uh, with people um, to know. You know that people aren't necessarily um, 
as open-minded as I am, and I try to remind myself that sometimes you have to meet people where they are. Yeah. Um, but I also remind myself that sometimes meeting people where they are means that some people need to elevate where mm-hmm. they are. I think sometimes when we think about meeting people where they are, we always think that we have to decrease ourselves um, to meet people on that level. You know, that also means that sometimes people need to be willing to ele- elevate yeah. um, their, uh, their, their thought process. Um, so that's one thing. Um, you know, I think um, I think it's a part of our humanity to be selfish. Mm, okay. Uh, I think that's human nature. Um, Break that down you know, for me a little bit. I mean, if, if, if you believe in Darwinism and survival of the fittest, um, then you believe that every animal, I don't, I don't mean human, but I mean every animal, um, has the ability um, to do whatever it is they need to do to ensure their own their own survival. Um, I think humans being higher ordered um, can make the to, can can make the decision between, for example, my child's life and mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. And you know, I obviously would choose my child, um, but I think it's innate in all of us to to. To, to do whatever it is that we have to do to ensure our own survival. Yeah. Um, and I think a, 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 a short way of, of, of articulating that is um, selfishness. Um, and I think a lot of times we, we do things with ourselves in mind and not with the whole in mind. Mm, mm-hmm. um, not, not fully understanding that we operate in a system that is dependent upon other people. Um, we don't live in a bubble. Um, we live in a society that is relational. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, our inability to, 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 to make decisions um, with the whole in mind is something that I've really struggled with. And like I said, this is something that I've, I've had to uh, grow on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when you have your own growth, you want people to be, you know, coming with you. You do. <laughs> you just be like, man. I got here. You want people to come with you. And so, um, so, you know, this whole idea of mind me, mind, um, you know, I did what was best for my family. Um, you know, what would the world look like if we did what was best for all the families on our block? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe I can stand to, to pay a little bit here on health care because I know that the family at the end of the block doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I can afford to, I'm willing to do that. Um, which is how healthcare works, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, but what, what, what would society look like if we were all, um, if we all operated kind of symbiotically, right? Um, and and not um, and not necessarily with, um, you know, me, mine, um, and mine. And so uh, yeah, so you know, that's kind of that's kind of something I've been struggling with. You know, in terms of humanity, is um, um, selfishness. Uh, you know, another thing is, is uh, you know, as an intellectual, um, as a thinker, mm-hmm. um, you know, I value facts. Yeah. Um, and more and more, especially recently, I've realized that um, for the most part, people value their beliefs over facts. People aren't here for your data. <laughs> They're not here for your exactly. empirical evidence at yeah. all. <laughs> exactly. And I have my beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. And I, have to recon- I have to reconcile my beliefs with empirical data. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, my empirical data tells me that my faith beliefs are a joke. Mm-hmm. You know? um, that, you know, some, you know, ethereal creature created you know, two men and women, mm-hmm. and, and society's fine from that, right? You know, um, but I saw so I have to reconcile those two things, and, and they don't have to be uh, mutually exclusive. Um, but um, yeah, you know, some things are just it, it, you know empirically factual, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and you know, we are we are a people of beliefs, mm-hmm. and you know, our beliefs might be defined by our faith, um, it might be defined by our um, culture, yeah. um, it might be defined by our ethnic and racial identity, um, it 
might be defined by our, um, you know, our socioeconomic status. Um, but I wish we were a people that were um, more uh, more balanced mm, mm-hmm. in, in our um, in our beliefs and, and our belief system and how we uh, relate to just what is. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so I've really been trying to hone my, my voice um, to, make, to be able to make my case mm-hmm. on the basis of not just facts, but on the basis of beliefs. Um, because I realize that that's what people value. Yeah. Uh, more, more so these days. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah, so you know, these are the kind of things that I'm just, I'm, I'm just, you know, thinking out loud. Mm-hmm. Point, um, uh, where, uh, where I kind of struggle with humans. Yeah. Uh, struggle with humans. Um, and, uh, and, and I mean, there's a litany of other things. Um, <laughs> this is one thing uh, you said that stood out to me, though. You were talking about survival of the fittest. And what I'm beginning to understand about humans is that we like to describe things and behaviors as being about survival when they're really about luxury or comfort. You know what I mean? And so they're like, I had to do what I had to do for my family to survive. Your family was going to survive. Like, you were fine, actually. (laughs) You just wanted your kids to go to an elite private school. That's a luxury. That's way on the other end of survival. Like that's way up the hierarchy of Maslow's. You don't. You were fine. Y'all ate. You had a house. Like nobody was gonna die. But we like to describe it as survival. And something about that attribution creates whatever that sense is. That psychological sense that my survival is in jeopardy. So that response to that fight flight freeze whatever response it is it creates that when people really internalize that something is related to their survival when it's not right right and it goes back to to uh, that idea of privilege right mm-hmm. that, that you brought up right you know we're we'll do anything to uh preserve our privilege mm-hmm. um and um to lose that privilege is is, is catastrophic when to lose it might <laughs> You know, might put you back with you know average folk, maybe, or it might uh, liberate you, like you said. Right, or it might liberate you, but it's not a matter of life and death. No. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I struggle with people with humans, um, <laughs> with humans on that, and um, sometimes I, I understand why they say you know a dog is a man's best friend. Mm, mm-hmm. Sometimes they can uh, they can be so much more. Uh, uh, compassionate and selfless uh, yeah. than we than we allow ourselves to be. Uh, but again, I, I, I am a work in progress, and I'm willing to allow pe- other people um, to work on themselves. Mm-hmm. Also, um, I just see so many of us who are who are, who are reticent on, on being stuck um, in the places uh, uh, that we reside, yeah. uh, whether it's in thought or in uh, practice. Um, a lot of us are stuck. Yeah. I have one more question for you. What do you love most about you? Uh, what do I love most about me? Um, yeah, it's probably changed over the years. Um, I think now it would have to be um, my ability to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, you always say we have you got two ears and one mouth. You should listen twice as much as you talk. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think listening equates to learning. Um, and uh, my ability to listen has allowed me to, um, you know, evolve on my positions around difficult issues like sex and sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my ability to listen has allowed me to. Um, kind of um, think of myself as a part of a greater whole mm-hmm. uh, and not just uh, an individual who uh, is at the center of his own world 
um, my ability to listen has allowed me uh, to love people who I might not have been able to love before. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, my ability to listen has allowed me to, to, to be, to become a great storyteller. Um, mm. I think stories, I think stories are the way in which um, we, we destroy racism. Okay. I think stories are the way in which we, uh, we, we kill homophobia. I think stories are the way in which we, um, we, uh, we uh, eradicate discrimination and stigma. How so? Uh, because I think, well, that's why I think, I think stories um, lead to relationship building. Okay. Um, and um, I think relationships are how we then, um, you know, end racism and things like that. So, um, you know, I, you might not get with my facts. Mm-hmm. You, know, you might not get with my with my data. Um, but you can probably get with a story about a little girl who's living with HIV, both of her parents died, and her aunt doesn't want to care for her because of the stigma around HIV. Mm. So she lives in the hospital. She she lives in the hospital pretty much full time because she doesn't have family that wants anything to do with her, which is something that I encountered while I was in, in, in Argentina. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so if you can identify with that story, then you can identify with that pain. Um, and then maybe you can humanize that, that, that particular person in spite of their, for example, HIV infection or um, in spite of their circumstances. So, um, yeah, I think the answer to, 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 to everything that we struggle with um, is through stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think stories build relationships and um, I think relationships build, um, build bridges. Uh, my, my grandmother used to say, you know, it's hard to hate somebody whose story you know. Mm. Um, and so I go around listening um, so that I can, in turn, share the stories of the other. Gotcha. Um, and through the stories, I hope to be able to connect with people. I hope that they resonate with people when my data doesn't, when my facts don't. Um, I feel you 100% because as a qualitative researcher, my data are stories. <laughs> like, that's what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. I yeah, hear you. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think I think listening um, breeds stories and stories build relationships and relationships build bridges um, that cross over racism and homophobia and xenophobia and sexism and misogyny and all the isms mm-hmm. um, that, that, that we could think of. Um, and so I wish... I wish people talk less and listen more, um, and really, uh, and really internalize um, what they were hearing, what people had to say, um, and um, I think that's when we began to to kind of tear down some of these walls hmm. um, that we put up, uh, you know. Instead of trying um, to build them, right? That we put up just to, to, to continue to separate and divide ourselves. Uh, yeah, so that's I- it. Are there any things that I didn't ask you that you think might be important to say as we close out? Uh, well, I, you know, I think we've had a great, uh, great conversation. Yeah, I really appreciated really, your perspective. Yeah, some really, uh, some really thoughtful questions. Um, yeah, no, I think I think I think you covered it. You know, all that we could cover. You know, around as it relates to. To love, I, I just, I really, you know, I just really, really want to challenge people to, um, to resist comfort mm. uh, mm-hmm. and to, to really step outside of their comfort zones, to be intentional about uh, being in a relationship with people who they are, who, who are not like them, yeah. um, to be in a relationship with people who they might not agree with. Um, you know, I think our whole social structure now is to, is to be, you know, an echo chamber. Uh, we surround ourselves with people who who agree with us. We surround ourselves with people who we are aligned with thought. Um, and you know, after a while, you begin to think that that that, that everybody's with you, <laughs> uh, and that's just not the case. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so just really, really want to challenge people that you know the true, I think, um, exercise of love is um, the ability to. Um, be 
in relationship with the other. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's, that's what I would leave you with. All right. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. I so appreciate you identifying me as somebody who you thought was worth talking to. Thank you for joining us. To connect and contribute, go to howtolovehuman.com. For more episodes, find Dr. Candace Nicole on SoundCloud and iTunes. If you like the show, leave a five-star review. Thank you, and see you next week. How to love a human.